You know anybody who tends to excuse sin, kind of winks at it, makes light of it? Are you ever guilty of that? You're going to see here in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul, or not Paul, God does not take yeah. it too lightly. Yep, and it, and it is, um, and it's a dangerous place to be. It is, and we're going to see how dangerous in just a little bit. Well, this is uh, Between the Lines. I'm Scott. I'm Junior. And, and you want to get started five, verse 1? That's right, verse 1. I'll start here. I'm just looking at how many verses we got. Okay. It says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love. Live a life filled with love. Following the example of Christ, he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. So he's saying replace all of those stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes, replace it with just thankfulness to God. Mm. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, greedy person will inherit the kingdom of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Well, and and this follows through from the last chapter when he says, take off the old way of living. Because with the Apostle Paul, when he teaches us to change the way we live or to get rid of some of those sinful habits, he always says, replace them. So it's one thing to say, stop doing this. It's a completely different thing to say, replace it with this. Right. The terminology in the last chapter, in Ephesians 4, that we looked at yesterday was take the old clothes off, put the new clothes yeah. on. Yeah. And that's why he says, if you want to change the way you talk, start talking in a good way. You have way. to replace it. And, and Jesus talked to that about that. Remember when he yeah. talked about like you cast the demon out? Yeah. And if, if it's, it's just not left rep- empty, it's, yeah, it's in da- empty. danger of yeah. seven more replacing. So you need to replace. Verse 6, it says, don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. For the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. So God does not take it lightly when we make light of sin. Don't participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. Expose them. That's uh, yeah. anytime you expose sin. Oh my goodness. I think dad, not to like say, what was us? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause it's, it's anybody who does this, but as pastors, sometimes we have to call out sin confront. Right. It's it, sometimes it ends up being like a big deal yeah. and, and you get a lot of flack for it. Exposing right. sin is, is difficult work mm-hmm. and invites flack. It is shameful even to talk about the things that the ungodly people do in secret, but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. We talked about that last time. Mm-hmm. Just make the best use of time. As you pointed out last time, buy back that time. Yeah. And, then, and you know, he says, don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. And we we're looking at Proverbs. Every day we've been reading Proverbs with all that wisdom there. And the foolishness here that he's speaking of is being very short-sighted, that you're doing what you feel like doing in the moment instead of what's going to be good long-term. And the ultimate long-term benefit is going to be what's good for eternity. Yeah. And so that, that's when he says, then buy back all of this wasted time and be careful how you live towards those who are on the outside because we're called to reach them. Yeah. You want to take it at 17? You bet. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Again, that goes back to the foolishness. That's thoughtlessly. 
not giving real thought towards the long-term effects of my I feel like I heard you choices. say that to me when I was a teenager quite a bit. <laughs> don't act thoughtlessly, Junior. <laughs> don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I love the differentiation there. It's a, it's a, it's a parallel. It's an illustration that what we know what alcohol does to a person. It changes their personality. It can overwhelm them. It can destroy them. Where he says, instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, which also does change a person's personality. We know the, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians, which we looked at in the last book that we studied, the fruit of the Spirit, which is love and joy and peace and patience, gentleness, goodness, that each of these things, when you consider those personality traits, and they are, yeah. they attract others. They're ways to attract people to the gospel. Yeah. So instead of allowing alcohol to over change our personality, allow the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit in us to change us to being people that are going to attract others. And this to is God. creative writing here, because another way it you is. could say it is, is don't be filled with spirits, be filled with the spirit. Yeah. Yep. All right. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That's what it looks like when you're filled with the spirit. You're, you're filled with this music and this joy, making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That That is going to be a major part. Gratitude will be a big part of being filled with the Spirit. That gratitude is going to flow from you. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means to submit to your husbands as to the Lord, which uh, is not a popular uh, thing for uh, for that to be taught any longer. And oftentimes it's said, yeah, but this is just culture. But in reality, this uh, he, he has this rooted in the creation story that because of how we were created, this is how God made us. So he says we're to be submitting ourselves to each other. And the way what this looks like, and that is for a wife, it's yielding to her husband's leadership, encouraging his leadership. In verse 23, for a husband is the head of the wife and Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of, his, of the body. And the church submits to Christ, so what you wives should submit your husbands and everything. For husbands, this means that that is submitting one to another. Again, verse 21, out of reverence for Christ. For wives, it looks like yielding to her husband's leadership. But now in verse 25, for husbands, this looks like this. This means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washing by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish and said she will be holy and without fault. The, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. I mean, it's actually going to be beneficial for you when you love this way, when you practice love this way. Well, I think anybody who's married or at least part of a healthy marriage can attest to that. Yeah, when things are not good at home, I mean, they're just not good. No, yeah. no. So no one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church, and we are members of his own body. So since we're one flesh with our wives, husbands are told to you're to care for your wife and her well-being in the same way that you do for, for yourself, and you ought to be looking out for her interests. In fact, that whole leadership thing, or for a husband to properly lead in his family, that means he's looking out for what the best interests are of his wife and kids, for his family, more so than themselves. It doesn't mean getting his way. It means taking the lead and moving towards Christ and, and doing what's right for the family. Yeah. All right. And then uh, verse 31, as the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. And this is a great ministry, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. That's So he's using us as an analogy that in the way that Christ 
is one with the church. We're to be one with our wives as husbands. So again, I say each man must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. And by doing this, this way, which we know also, I mean, we just know this from science as well, that that uh, a, a woman is looking to be cherished by her husband and a man is looking to be respected. Yeah. Of course, he wants his wife to love him, but it means a lot more when he hears his wife tell him that she respects him. Yeah. And she, he can tell just by the way she treats him that she reveres him. Yeah. And in the same way, a woman is looking to be cherished by her yeah. husband. And there's a good book on that called Love and Respect. Yeah, it's a great book. Uh, I was actually at an accountability, accountability group and on staff, we were talking about that book, actually, as we were just talking through uh, marriages and but, how that book has helped so much. Oh, uh, and it is. Yep. But beyond that, this is also really cool in that it it also, when when there's the marriage is the way it is supposed to be, it is such a wonderful picture of Christ in the church that godly marriages attract people outside of the church to Christianity. They need to see that in us. So yeah. let's not fall prey to those stupid jokes about the, you know, jokes about your wife or your husband or any of that stuff. Instead, put your energy into making the most of your marriage. Yeah. You revere your husband, you cherish your wife. Yeah. All right. Let's well, get and over to, it. Can I just add one more thing? Yeah. Cause we have a little bit of time here. Um, there's a huge push right now, especially I think it is feminism and maybe I'll get canceled for saying this, but this is all idea of like, you need to be independent. I'm not just speaking to women, but also to men. Like you mm-hmm. need to be independent, live independent. You know, you're your own person. And, uh, and that is, that is a recipe for a horrible marriage. There should be, as you come together as one, there should be this interdependence on each other. Yep. Uh, Absolutely. And in fact, I would say this to singles, listen, I, God, there's a gift of singleness. And if you're a single person who would love to get married, I I get that. But, and, uh, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But I would say this to our young singles in particular. I think you're waiting way too long to get married. Average age of getting married now is like 30 for women and 33 for guys. If you have somebody you've been and, dating for a while, well, anybody yeah. maybe who doesn't have a date. <laughs> but but We're not putting pressure looking, on you. <laughs> but listen, the dating though, yeah. those you look to to date ought to be in search yes. of that that yes. long-term soulmate, that husband or wife. And uh, and not just for fun. Dating isn't just for fun. Yep. It's, and it certainly isn't for the physical that you get out of it. Instead, you should be looking for your mate. And I... I, I'm, I fear that this generation today that they're missing out because for a lot of them, they're, they're just waiting way too long and not even able to have families. Yeah. So uh, I encourage you. Hey, listen, uh, young people, don't be afraid of that commitment, yeah. especially guys, guys, right. don't be afraid of that commitment. All right, let's get over to Proverbs. And uh, Proverbs Junior, how old were you when you got married? Uh, let's see here. 24. Yeah, I was 23. So yeah. Yeah. And you got a great marriage. Yeah. Yeah. And I think some of the issue they always that is people are sleeping together before. Uh, that's so I think it's like that's the big thing. So it's like, well, yeah. why? Why get married? Yeah. Like we're having sex and plus I get my own independence. So, you know, so for a guy, it's just kind of like, oh, I'll just wait for whatever. Right. There is a gift of singleness, but what God the way God created us is with a desire for us to have a mate. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that desire. And I think that Christians, we can kind of get that back onto our plate by setting the example of what that is. That it's okay to have the desire, but it's also, I think sometimes singles can feel like, hey, there's so much pressure in the church of like, hey, when you get married, then you're kind of graduated into adulthood and and the singles are almost treated. But no, we we don't think that or believe that at all. We're just saying it is okay to desire a mate. You were built with that. 
And if you are dating, don't make it a 10 year, right. <laughs> a 10 year thing. Yeah. But if you are single, you're part of the church and can bless the church in, in, in greater ways, as Paul says. All right. We're over in Proverbs now. I think it's uh, Proverbs 12, Proverbs 12 and verse six says the words of the wicked are like a murderous ambush. But the words of the godly save lives. Yeah. And and we got that out of Ephesians yesterday in Ephesians 4 when he speaks of all of our words ought to be building up yeah. and be a blessing to the people that we're speaking, not that, tearing down and hurting. And that is been, I mean, that is that does stick with me. Just as far as like as your car drives in, what are people expecting mm. for your words? Yeah. Um, for your words to tear down or to save lives? Yeah, that was a great question yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. And that doesn't look like, too, it doesn't look like flattery, just going and saying all the nice things. Right. It just looks like building up. And sometimes that looks like calling sometimes people it's out saying great things. You bet. Right. Yep. All right. Well, it is December 12th today, which is, I don't like this, Gingerbread House Day. I hate gingerbread houses. They're just messy. What? They're disgusting. Oh, you can't even eat them. Come on. Yes, you yeah, can. Yeah, no, my girls make them with my wife. And I'll like play along, but just because I want to be a good dad, but I hate them. <laughs> they just sit there. What do they do? We like we make them, and then they just sit there and rot for like a week until no, after they're, Christmas. They're, they're, they're beautiful. They're cute. It's the work of your children. My it, grandkids. It gets everywhere. I think you're just too easily annoyed. You know, I'm gonna give them a box of gingerbreads and send them over to your house, <laughs> and I'll take them. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, uh, all right. We are in uh, proper. Oh, we already talked we already about proper. <laughs> <we>? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love you, Dad. Uh, yeah, you got my head. I, yeah, actually, I was while you were talking about gingerbreads, I was looking ahead for tomorrow oh, okay. <laughs> to see which proverb I was going to grab. <laughs> anyway, so International Gingerbread Day. Yeah, yeah, send them over to my house. <laughs> Have a good one. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless.